This recording is brought to you by Freedom Time Co. Beginning in an unfurnished college apartment, Freedom Time is a collective of friends turned family. At our core, we believe that justice is gospel work. And to us, justice means living in a world where all people are free to live whole and full lives, especially those who are marginalized. Together, we curate content, events, and culture in order to spur compassion, education, imagination, and action. Freedom Time is on the journey of singing the spiritual with our lives, one that loudly echoes, to be a lover of justice is to be fully human. We are Freedom Time Collective. Well, hey there, once again, I'm Brittany and I'm a member of Freedom Time Co. Collective. I am so, so glad that you have chosen to join us tonight for our first ever workshop. This is the first part of a two-part workshop. So tonight we'll dive into the first two of our core values, compassion and education. And then we'll be back here for our next workshop where we'll talk about imagination, creativity, and action. Freedom Time is a collective of friends turned family. We do work at the intersection of faith and justice. You can keep up with us on social media at Freedom Time Co. on both Facebook and Instagram. There's also some information at freedomtimeco.com that will let you know how to subscribe to our mailing list and our newsletter. We are so, so glad you're here once again. We hope that you will stay in touch with us on Spotify, iTunes, our social media that I just mentioned, and via our newsletter as we continue to grow in our work alongside you who are our partners in this work. I also want to make an important note um, because I'm actually on Cherokee land right now where I reside um, and say that you will hear from our collective, especially tonight, a primarily Christian perspective on how we engage um, spirituality and justice work. That by no means negates that there are spiritual and non-spiritual lineages all around us that have for decades and centuries engaged in compassionate action from their lens. And um, so this is our lens. This is the lens you will hear from us. And um, we encourage you to um, come to this work, open to the variety of ways that our spiritual lineage and our non-spiritual lineage, even um, in case you identify somewhere in in the middle of that spectrum, informs how we um, do compassion and action in the world around us. I will open us up in a brief word of prayer, and then I'm going to turn things over to Kenny. Gracious creator, we thank you for this time together. Would you be with us in our actions and in our words? Would you help us to learn something that we may not have been enlightened about before we leave tonight? Be with those who have joined us, those who are on their way, and those that are going to present this workshop tonight. We ask this in the name of everything that is liberating, everything that is healing, and everything that is whole. Amen, and I say, may it be so. Kenny. Amen, hey Brittany. (laughs) Thank Thank you. you I'm excited, excited to be here, excited that you guys are all joining us. And um, this, honestly, I mean, we've been working on this specific event for a few weeks, but honestly, this, 
is the culmination of a few years uh, for those of us in Freedom Time Co. So this is amazingly exciting. We are, we are glad to have you all here. And um, yeah, so we just want to open up and, and talk through who we are, where, where our approach to justice comes from. And that starts with our core values uh, of compassion, education, uh, creativity, and action. And so we want to start with this idea of compassion and what that means to uh, justice work, what it means uh, for those of us who are uh, professing Christians, believers in the, in the way of Jesus, uh, even for those of us who aren't. Uh, and, and this compassion idea is a universal idea that can be applied uh, to, uh, to all ways and walks of life uh, and, and really is part of seeking for a more just world in which all people can live whole and full lives, especially those, those that are marginalized. So uh, we're, we're excited to dive into this. I want to approach this not in a way that um, I'm lecturing or anything. Uh, I don't want to yap too much. I don't want to talk too much. Uh, I want to have a discussion with you, you all. Um, and so I'll, I'll present some ideas and some thoughts, and then we'll, we'll talk through some questions. A little bit about myself. I live in Phoenix, uh, Arizona, um, and I, uh, my wife and I live here. She's a pediatric nurse, and I'm an enrollment counselor at a university here uh, in Phoenix, and it's just a pleasure to be a part of this group uh, and under Brittany's leadership and, and all of you uh, to, to join with us. So this idea of compassion, what does it mean? Uh, what does it have to do with justice work? What do we uh, compelled to do because of compassion. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, uh, but in our society, in our culture, there's often this, this tension between feelings and action, especially when we talk about uh, justice, right? Some people would argue, uh, some good-meaning people with, uh, with, with good hearts who love others may argue that to reach the world that we're looking for, all we need is to love one another, right? And, and to see people as if there's no division and, and love people in that way. Some might argue the opposite, that feelings of love and compassion don't really have a place in justice work. It's all about the practical approach of tearing down systems uh, that, that lead to oppression uh, without considering the individual and, and the compassionate heart. Uh, that's required. And we at Free Freedom Time Co., we believe in a third way. Uh, I'm going to use this term a lot. It's compassionate action. Uh, it's bold action that's motivated by compassion that does see the value in the individual stories of those who are affected, who are marginalized, who are uh, oftentimes oppressed, but also uses that compassion and those individual stories as motivation to oppose the systems that oppress people uh, and to, to tear them down and, and, uh, and build up new ones. Uh, and so you'll see this, this four-part progression in a way um, uh, between the, the four values we have. What we would encourage you to do is to view these four values not as a linear idea of you go from compassion, you go, then you go to education, then you go uh, to creativity, and then you go to action, but more as a cycle where we all are, are on different spots on that cycle. Some of us may enter with, uh, and naturally maybe learners who enter with reading books and listen to podcasts and all that good stuff. 
I tend to enter with compassion. How do I look at the individual and love them? Uh, others may be more on the creativity mind and action. And so view these four not as a step-by-step, -step, but more as a cycle. So specifically compassion, how can we view compassion, not just as a feeling and not just as action, but as both. And I believe the best way we can do that is in the example of Christ, of Jesus Christ. And so we, we see in the gospels within uh, the Bible, uh, within scripture, a lot of examples of Jesus feeling love for others. His theology, his teachings centered around the idea of loving your neighbor as yourself, loving God with everything you have, uh, and even loving your enemy, even those who abuse and persecute you, uh, boldly loving them as well. But Jesus doesn't stop with feelings of love. Uh, oftentimes, the, the gospel writers will point out when he approaches someone with a physical need, uh, I love that they point out he feels compassion and then he acts, right? Whatever it is, healing uh, a man from, from lepis, leprosy, healing someone's blindness, right? Even raising people from the dead, always motivated by uh, compassion. And so he never let his feelings be the, the whole picture of his compassion. Uh, he always let that compassion lead him to action. So what, what does this mean for us? Uh, if, if we are naturally led to divide the two, feelings and action, what does it mean? And so I want to talk through this idea. This is going to be kind of our first discussion on this, just really open-ended. Um, this idea that to have compassion without action is really not compassionate at all, right? Because a compassionate heart always seeks restoration and liberation, these goals cannot be achieved simply by feeling for another person, right? When you separate compassion into simply feelings or actions, it no longer could be described as compassion. So Brittany, if you can go to the first question there on the slides, I want you to think of a time when you experienced compassion from someone else in the form of an action, uh, and then think about how did that make you feel? Uh, very open-ended, right? doesn't necessarily have to be specific to justice work. It can be. Uh, it could be anything, right? Examples that first came to my mind were conversations with my mom this week, right? She called me. She missed me, wanted to make sure that I was okay. Uh, and that's an act of compassion. And it was, it was active. It wasn't just feeling that compassion for me. Um, so if you feel comfortable sharing, I'd love to hear uh, a story uh, of when you felt compassion in the form of an action and in the feeling that that brought uh, to your mind. Yeah, so this is Sabrina. Um, this week, I found out that I was in contact with someone who tested positive for COVID. Um, and um, it was super stressful and really scary and just yeah a very like emotional process um and one of my friends reached out to me and just like told me that she understand like understood how it felt um knowing like it wasn't my fault and you know I hadn't known and all these things and so for me I just felt so like seen and cared for because you know 
obviously it makes sense when the coronavirus is being spread, people are really concerned for themselves. Um, And so it just felt so, so compassionate um, that she was there to say, you know, I know how you're feeling. Um, You're doing everything you can to figure this out. Luckily a text is negative. So everything's great. I didn't spread it to anybody. Um, But that made a huge difference to me. Um, because she was willing to, you know, kind of reach out to me and talk to me about that. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that, Sabrina. Uh, thanks for joining us as well. Um, you're, and you're right, she saw your needs, right? She, uh, you said you, you felt seen, right? You felt heard. And that's awesome. And that's what, I mean, that's the core of compassion. Uh, if you break down the word literally into the root words, it's suffering with, right? The, the root word for passion is suffering, the root word for calm is with. So suffering alongside somebody or anticipating suffering that may come up. So that's a great story of that. And, and uh, her sharing that with you, knowing that, hey, this is an issue that is real and you need to know about it. Uh, so yeah, thank you for sharing. Yeah, I think it's so important to, to use that language of feeling seen because the, the next area of compassion we want to talk about is that compassion must begin from equality. Compassion must begin from equality. And so, so often, especially when we're talking about things related to justice, uh, of course, uh, in this uh, conversation, we're gonna focus a lot on racial justice. In in conversations around those sorts of topics, uh, oftentimes Christians, especially, Christians who look like me, you know, white Christians, offer their compassion from a place of superiority instead of equality, right? And of course, it's important to acknowledge privilege and realize that white privilege is real and it's a tool and a, um, you know, it's a resource to be used to fight for equality for all people. Privilege does not mean uh, superiority. Right. And so oftentimes the natural mindset for someone in privilege is to approach a compassionate action with even without stating it, thinking that you are above the person that you are loving or serving. So, uh, you know, I've struggled with this. Maybe you've struggled with this. I think we all have seen it happen, even if it's something we maybe have not participated in. And this is that idea of the white savior complex, right? Um, maybe you've heard that, that phrase. But the, the truth and the core of the issue with white savior complex or superiority in compassion, however you want to phrase it, is that it buys into the lie of racism, right? And, and so we're going to tease out this idea that compassion must begin from equality, uh, because that's the fundamental truth uh, of, of who we are. There's this wonderful quote uh, from Howard Thurman. And uh, this, this is the middle section of it. I'm going to go ahead and read the whole quote. And it says, There is no basic relationship between the simple practice of brotherhood in the commonplace relationships of life and the ethical pretension of the Christian faith. It has long been a matter of serious moment that for decades... We have studied the various peoples of the world and those who live as our neighbors as objects of missionary endeavor 
and enterprise without being at all willing to treat them as brothers or as human beings. I say this without rancor because it is not an issue in which vicious human beings are involved, but it is one of the subtle perils of a religion which calls attention to the point of overemphasis sometimes to one's obligation to administer to human need. And so I want to catch, I want you to catch what he's saying, right? This is a, a quote from, from the 1930s. So the language is, is a bit dated, but the idea here is that so often we approach things of justice with a well-meaning heart, but we approach it uh, studying individuals or groups or cultures with the sole goal of, you know, uh, whether it's finding justice or some, to some might be like evangelizing the group of people for talking about between two, two different religions, but we aren't willing to take the next step to treat others as family, as human beings, right? Um, as equals. And that really is the heart of compassion is to treat others with equality from the beginning of the conversation. So this idea of approaching justice work always from the place of equality is really central to Christian theology. It's not a new idea. Uh, in fact, this idea goes all the way back to the story of creation. And there's a phrase that you've probably heard thrown around from Christians uh, in topics and discussions around justice, and it's this imago Dei idea, the image of God. And the basic idea here is that God created all of humanity uh, in his likeness or in his image. Uh, and so we all bear a reflection of his glory in a unique way. There's a lot to unpack there, but the basic bottom line truth is that we should treat all people, all human beings as a creation of the creator, right? Deserving of dignity, love, respect, because all of humanity bears this unique image of God among creation, not just those who look like us or those who believe the same as us or those who are in our political party uh, or those with money or those without money, all of humanity bears that image uh, as God's unique creation. And so all of human life should be respected and valued just as we would respect and value a prized painting, not because of the value of the canvas or the paint or even the frame, but because of the beautiful artistry of the painter. All human life is deserving of dignity and equality. And of course, we all know that racism is the opposite of this idea, right? Racism arbitrarily determines a person's worth and dignity based on something as simple as their skin color, right? Or their culture. And it ignores the inherent value that they bear from their creator. So that really is where, where I get the idea that equality is central in justice work from the beginning. It's not just the goal. It's not just the end that we are all working for. Although of course we all work for a political and social equality uh, as relentlessly as we can. 
But in our own mindset, in our own placement, we should approach from the beginning of the conversation that you and I are equal. And so if I'm using my privilege to work for you to be brought from the margins to the center, it doesn't mean I'm any better than you, right? And so that's, that's the basic idea. Uh, so what does it have to do with compassion, right? Compassionate action longs to restore that image of God's love for all people. Compassion sees the, sh- the suffering of others. Sorry, my weekend uh, brain is getting a little mixed up. Compassion sees the suffering of others and seeks for their restoration and liberation. Compassionate work is to work to remove systems that oppress people for any reason, especially for their race. Compassionate action keeps both the beauty of the individual and the brokenness of the system in view at the same time and in balance. But to remember what Thurman said, compassionate action must see the reality of our equality as people loved by our creator from the beginning of the conversation. Compassion must strip away degrading visions of racism and prejudice from the beginning, right? The bottom line is this, racism is a lie and our compassion should never validate that lie that one group is greater than another. So compassion must begin from a place of equality and not superiority. And so this has worked out in my brain because like I said at the beginning of this, this little section, the natural bent for those in privilege is to approach justice work from a superior place, from a place of superiority. Uh, And that takes confession and repentance to work out of us. But something that, an idea that's been helpful for me to process that is that when I join the fight for justice, I'm joining the fight and not leading the fight, right? White savior complex says you're joining it and then leading the fight. Uh, But a a way that we can act with compassion is to always acknowledge those who have been in the fight from the beginning and even been in the fight with a generational legacy uh, in the fight for justice. So remember your place in the story, always approach compassion from a place of equality. So next question I wanna talk through uh, with this idea uh, is this. What are some ways that justice work can be approached from a place of equality and not superiority? These can be practical, these can be more mindset driven, um, but what are some ways that justice can be approached from a place of equality and not superiority? And Denisha has taught me to be okay with silence, so I don't mind if if we have to wait a few seconds. I really appreciate this question because um, I'm actually thinking of a volunteer um, service that I was in and it was called, it was the John Walter Foundation and it was black led and I actually met the founder and it was a mother. And it was just like, I guess like, I'm so basically we were like serving groceries for the community in the West side of Chicago. And like, I knew that I was like, I knew that I was different and I didn't want to take up space. And I was just like, really aware of that. And so I guess like, I was just like, so focused on like, okay, I want to make sure I'm giving the groceries. I want to make sure I'm organized. Da, da, da. And I remember like the founder, she, she um, um, Michelle, she was like, Hey, like, did you take a break? And I was like, Oh no, but it's okay. I don't need one. She's like, you, you need food. Like you're with us. You're doing the work. You need to make sure you take some food. Okay. 
And I don't know, that sense of like, she came with a quality mm-hmm. and like recognizing my needs. And I was just like, wow, like, I also need to be recognizing like all of our needs, right? Like giving up groceries to people. It's about like food, right? But I guess like I came in a place of like, oh, I, I was like thinking of like, I need to sacrifice myself. I shouldn't be having this. But then I was like, wow, the founder even told me to take a break. And so what I guess I'm trying to say is like, I think it's important to recognize our differences and our places of power and privileges, as well as like recognizing that we all have this need for food justice. Mm-hmm. We all have this need for Black Lives Matter to happen. And it's just like seeing how our liberation is connected and really being intentional about that. Because I think that's where like, you know, I could have burned out at that point, you know, I was, it was really hot. I could have been really ineffective and not helped anyone if I didn't take a break. So I really uh, appreciate Nichelle reminding me and giving, like seeking, use, uh, not seeking compassion and giving me compassion. Yeah. Yeah, that is so good. Thank you for sharing that. And it's so true too, that working for justice is, is all of our job, but it also is uh, in a sense, you know, we're like you're saying, it's all we're all connected, right? And and so it's not something that I can dis distance myself from or disconnect myself from. So that's a great point. But your your point as well about seeing all of us, including ourselves as humans, in this, right? We all have needs. Uh, we all uh, need to also direct that compassion towards ourselves. Um, Neil shared that with us in a in a team meeting a few days ago. Um, and he pointed out that the road, for those of us who are joining the fight, right, the road to solidarity is riddled with mistakes. And oftentimes we can use those mistakes against ourselves and, and to put ourselves down, but we need to give ourselves compassion and realize our needs. Um, so thank you for sharing that story. I, I love stories. That's such a good uh, illustration of as a simple human need that you need food, right? Uh, and you need to realize that, that you need it as well in this process. That's very, very cool. Thank you. I think mine comes from as a mom, um, when you see a mom in pain, um, you love your kids so much that you feel her pain. And so with, uh, you know, the George Floyd, just the fact that he called out for his mom, mm. just, I, I think that connection as a parent, um, and as for me as a mom, just the love that we all have for our children, we have mm-hmm. that all in common. We don't love our kids more than someone else loves their kids. We, we just share that, you know, you share the joy, you share the pain, you share the, the, the frustrations. We, we just have that in common. That's a common link, no matter what culture, uh, what color, what religion, it, it's a it's a sharing so that's 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 the way where I feel it the most is as a mom yeah absolutely yeah thank you for sharing that and we all we all have common ground to share right and we uh, we can feel uh, the the weight of these stories and these uh, in that case uh, the murder of George Floyd uh, best when we peel away those layers of division that are built upon the common ground we share, right? When you see him, um, yeah, that's powerful. When you really see 
who he is and, and the, the, the feelings that he's having in that moment. And I, I don't think there's much more to say than how you shared it, Jody. So thank you for sharing that. Kenny, I could just add that I think um, starting off justice work from a position of equality as opposed to superiority mm-hmm. could shape of coming alongside uh, pre-existing organizations that are Black-led as opposed to um, kind of entrepreneurializing your own thing and looking to uh, come into a conversation uh, as if you've been doing this work the whole time. I'm speaking uh, of white people here. Um, yeah, and I think this goes, of course, for more than just racial justice, but uh, with LGBTQ plus things and mm-hmm. advocacy, I think equality looks like supporting those who are already doing the work as opposed to inserting yourself into the conversation uh, when you haven't really done any precedent uh, in terms of justice worker organizing in those communities up until that point when some sort of crisis comes about or you've had a change of heart and so forth. Yeah, yeah, that's so crucial, Uh, especially, yes, for white people to realize that we, even if we are are just now realizing things um, are broken, that should be a fault to, to repent of in our own hearts and then realize, okay, there have been people who have been doing this their whole lives. Uh, There are already systems and structures in place that are efficient and good at doing the work of justice because guess what? They're from people who are affected by it and who know it better than anybody. And so, yeah, absolutely. Um, That's one reason I think, Neil, you can agree with me that I'm so grateful for Brittany and Denisha and and Bree and others who are a part of, you know, our, our movement as well and leading us in that. Um, so, so good. Thanks for sharing that, Neil. Awesome. Yeah. So I want to move forward into a specific story in scripture that really drives home this idea that compassion should start from a place of equality. Uh, and it's a really familiar story. Uh, Jesus tells this story in the, in the book of Luke, and it's uh, a story where there's a man traveling, Uh, on the road right between two cities he's traveling for business and he's beaten uh, he's robbed and he's thrown to the side of the road Uh, pretty unfortunately it was a pretty common occurrence in this on this road and um, he's laying there for for some number of hours and then a religious leader somebody who who professes to be uh, who stands up for those that are oppressed stands up for justice stands up for those who Uh, or literally on the margins, uh, walks by, sees the man, chooses to continue on his journey. Uh, Another religious leader comes up, sees the man again, and continues on the road. But then a a third man approaches, and uh, this is a man that maybe is of a different racial background, uh, definitely of a different religious background uh, than the, the person who was beaten. Uh, And he, Jesus tells us that he looks at the man on the side of the road and he had compassion for him. Uh, He had compassion. And then so he went and he bound up his wounds. I'm I'm assuming he had to take some of his own clothing to do so. Uh, He poured on some of his own oil and wine to help heal the wounds. Uh, and, And then he took and 
gave the, the man who has been beaten a place on his own animal uh, to ride to the next town. When they get there, of course, he checks him into a room and, and tells the innkeeper, you know, whatever you need for this man to feed him, to cover his, um, his wounds, I'll pay for it the next time I come through. In fact, here's some money in advance uh, to do that. Now, Jesus uses this story to uh, answer the question, who is it that I should love? And he, he draws on these ideas of uh, political and racial division to show that we should love all people with that compassion. But I think specifically for this conversation, it's a good example of just what compassion is, right? So um, the man, the third man, uh, if you know the story, he was a Samaritan, whereas the man who's been beaten was probably a Jew. And there were so many different uh, uh, divisions politically, socially, uh, and religious wise on, on that line. So the Samaritan approaches, he sees the man and he has compassion for him. But he doesn't just stop there, right? He doesn't just see the man, have compassion, say a prayer, maybe give him a couple bucks and move on. He decides to sacrificially give of his time, his money, his own animal to ride on, his own donkey, uh, and his own safety to make right what has been wrong in that man's life, to heal the wounds, to uh, maybe even replace the funds that had been stolen uh, from the man. And so I think what this story drives home to me is that compassion isn't soft, right? Compassion isn't soft. Oftentimes we see it just as a feeling. We see it just as a prayer. We see it just as sharing a conversation with somebody, which all of those good, those things are good and they have their place in the conversation. But this man literally risked his life for someone he didn't know and for someone he probably could bet wouldn't do the same for him. And that's true compassion. It's not soft, it's bold and courageous. Now, I struggled with bringing up this conversation or this story in this conversation because I think it's important to realize um, that this is not just an individual uh, problem that we face with racial justice. It's not just individuals who have been separated or um, who have been oppressed and marginalized, but there are systemic things that need to be approached. But in terms of individual compassion, I think this is such a good story to think through. And the bottom line truth is that compassion isn't easy, right? It's not soft. Uh, it's not easy. It's hard. It takes sacrifice. And we're going to spend some time um, here in a bit talking about what one of those sacrifices is educating yourself on things of justice. Um, other, another very challenging process is coming up with creative uh, solutions to justice issues and then acting on those solutions, um, which we'll talk about in the next workshop. But I want you to reflect, this is going to be kind of our final reflection in this compassion portion, uh, on where you stand between these two statements, these two questions. Uh, maybe if you are a person who does justice work or you generally have a heart that seeks to see others live whole and full lives, like we say, maybe you feel compassion, but you aren't often led to act for justice, or maybe you're the opposite. Maybe you act for justice sacrificially and boldly, 
without feeling the compassion for those that are directly affected in the individual stories. So I want you to think and reflect on that question, or these two questions, I guess, and maybe just spend a few seconds thinking about where you fall on this kind of spectrum between the two. Because I would assume if you're on this call, you in some way feel the need for a more just world, right? So these are the two questions. Do I often feel compassion without acting for justice? Or do I often act for justice without feeling compassion? So reflect on that. Maybe you will have the perfect balance, which is amazing. Full transparency, I land in the first question pretty often. I have to check myself, not just from praying for and reading the stories of those who are on the margins, but actually stepping up and acting with compassion and bold and courageous compassion. So that's where I stand. If you feel comfortable enough to share, uh, go for it. It's, I mean, the first step, if, you, if you've been around any of these cliches, right, the first step is admitting the problem. And so if you are willing to share, I'd love to hear it. But spend a few seconds reflecting on that. And anything you'd like to share, go ahead and uh, unmute yourself and, and share it with the group. I think for me, because um, like I said, I do tend to lean towards the first one. And so Freedom Time Co., this is full reign to hold me accountable to actually acting consistently for justice. Um, but these are some questions and some challenges that I've given myself to reflect on to make sure that I have that balance of compassionate action. One of them is to identify what's going on in my brain that prevents me from getting to that step of acting. Maybe it's fear, maybe it's not knowing where to start, not feeling equipped for the work or educated enough. Um, whatever it is, identifying that is a good first step. And then for me, the next step is immersing myself in the stories of those who are on the margins and feeling, you know, if, if my natural inclination is to lean towards compassion, then I should start by jumping full on into that and really mourning the loss of, of uh, brothers and sisters like George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Amon Arbery, and really sitting in the lament for their lives and the stories that led to them and the, and the murders. Um, but then not stopping there and moving towards real action steps. And Neil was onto something earlier because there are so many resources from people who are already doing the work oftentimes when people say they don't know where to start, it's because they haven't looked, right? So actually taking that step of looking for action steps. And then I put this in there at the last, my last point for this. If you do feel, often feel compassion without acting for justice and you are a white person, then reject or resist what is often called paternalism or uh, the white savior complex, like we were talking about earlier. Uh, don't enter the conversation as a superior, but as someone who's coming alongside in the fight for justice, and it will save you and everybody involved uh, a lot of trouble in the future. So those are my reflections on if you fall in the first camp. Um, anybody feel drawn towards that second question is maybe where your heart leans towards and, and maybe able to offer some experience on that? Well, I'll speak... Um towards compassion towards self, right? Yeah. So I think that I act for justice sometimes without feeling compassion towards myself mm. um, as a, a Black woman, right? Um, 
And that can look like a lot of things, but that can look like not centering my own story, my own narrative in the work. That can look like getting burned out. That can look like just being um, disenchanted overall, which is fine, like if you're in that camp. Um, But I think that I am working to not just for myself, but for my community to give spaces for in particular black women and women of color to be able to have compassion towards self. Because Mm -hmm. so often, especially when we look at the fight for justice, we see black women leading those struggles, leading those fights. um, And we have to we're seeing with like Toyin and Breonna Taylor. Right. We have to center those narratives Mm-hmm. And and one way that we resist white supremacy, um, white culture dominance, all the, the and all of the ways empire harms a lot of us is to is to be compassionate towards self, especially when we are marginalized people. Yeah. So good. Yeah, thank you for sharing that, Brittany. Yeah. Yeah, that's so crucial. That actually I love it, Brittany, because that was my next point on on my notes was uh, to remember that our compassion should not just be aimed outwards, but inwards. It shouldn't just be um, uh, towards others, but towards ourselves, because it's a long fight, right? It's not something we can snap our fingers and fix tomorrow. There's work and there is emotional work involved. Um, and burnout is real. And so this is crucial to remember because, um, you know, when when you're joining the fight or if you've been in it, uh, for, for years, uh, it's not going to be a perfect thing, right? Like, um, like I shared from Neil earlier, uh, you know, the road to solidarity is paved with mistakes. And so, uh, maybe as you start to speak out more, you're going to say something insensitive. You're going to use language that's not helpful. Um, and, uh, and it's going to take accountability to realize that and learn that. Uh, but speaking from, experience at that point it's not your job to get out of the fight but to learn and adapt and to move forward and grow um and admit it and realize where you're wrong but still have that compassion and grace on yourself to realize if you have the right people around you and i think if you are looking for those right people this the people on this call are a great source for that compassion and accountability if you have the right people around you then making those mistakes will be learning processes uh, and not encouragement to get out of the fight uh, for justice. So final idea before we, we kind of, uh, uh, I'm gonna transition over to Ryan. I know I may have taken more time than I expected to, but this final idea is that compassion isn't the solution, it's the motivation. Uh, when you look at the story of Jesus, he didn't heal using compassion, he was motivated by his compassion for others. And then of course he used his own uh, divine power as uh, God to to heal others and, and raise them to life. Uh, but his compassion was the motivation for that. So whatever stage you are in this process, realize that compassion needs to be combined with the tools and resources you have uh, to lead to, edu- uh, to, to action, to right action and justice. Uh, one of those tools is education. That's where we're going to go um, here in a few minutes after after our break. But I'd love to go ahead and turn it over to Ryan uh, to continue this conversation about compassion. 
Thanks, Kenny. Um, yeah, I won't speak long on it just because I think some of the questions that y'all asked really um, led into the few of the points I was going to make about self-compassion. Um, one thing that I did want to preface with is that this um, workshop that we're doing today, you will be primarily hearing from the white folks in our group because the ideas of compassion and education are something that should not be the burden of the black women in our group to educate other um, white folks. And they certainly do not need to have um, a particular level of compassion um, when the black community is the community at harm um, in the scenario we're discussing now, which um, is racism and racial justice. So. Um, I just wanted to preface that the fact that you're hearing from the white folks in our group, um, that is the, that is the reason why. Um, yeah, and I don't have too much to add, um, to compassion other than the fact that, um, as someone who is white and in a white body, um, until I went to college, I wasn't really, I didn't have to consider race, um, I didn't have to consider what it meant to be white and what it meant to be black. Um, and when I initially understood what life and the privileges that I obtained in a white body um, meant for me, that often for most people is met with initial guilt. Um, you feel bad because it is something that um, you, I can't exit my body um, and the country that I was born into allows me these privileges, right? So your initial reaction is guilt. Um, and I think a lot of us um, white folks, we already have a difficult time um, with our sense of identity. We already have a fractured sense of identity or just like people in the West in general. Um, so when we look at our identity and then we now have a another piece of us that we think we ought to be guilty for um, we often retreat into inaction um, and that's kind of why I, wa I wanted to talk a bit about self-compassion but we covered some of that and I think um, we truly can't be compassionate towards others until we're compassionate and patient with ourselves if we are able to be compassionate with ourselves we can liberate ourselves to help liberate others um, and understanding that my whiteness does not damn me and I ought to not feel ashamed, but it does make me responsible um, in shedding that whiteness and working towards equity and justice um, for black, brown, indigenous folks who don't benefit from the privileges that I do because of some of the systemic racism in our country. Um, and this workshop in particular is not um, to teach you of all of those systemic injustices, like we can all equally use Google really well. I'll go into a few when I go through my workshop later. Um, but just that idea of having self-compassion and being patient with yourself ultimately will allow you to continue to educate and come from compassion to education and then creativity and action. And it's also a cycle, like we said, because we all exist in different spaces and different bodies. So um, that's all I have to add on compassion. Um, but for now, we're going to take just a five minute.